Good evening. Good to be back with you this evening. And I wondered uh, if we can turn to Genesis chapter 4. I was asked this year, after a long absence, uh, to teach Sunday school uh, back in my home assembly. There are a group of um, some high school and, you know, just grade 8, that type of grade. 8 and 9 and 8 and 9. Anyway, I used to uh, do a lot of speaking to young people at one time. Now I don't get asked anymore. I guess I'm too old. I remember meeting uh, when I, was, I first came to this assembly. I met a young man at the back. And I said, I've seen you before at a young people's conference that I was speaking at. And it was Sam Curian. Uh, I was preaching in New York one time, and he was there. And uh, anyway... But uh, so as I was uh, given that challenge uh, uh, this year to speak to uh, the young people at our, uh, at least teach Sunday school, I thought that uh, for this year at least we would spend the year uh, doing Hebrews chapter 11. And it'll probably take us a couple of years, I'm figuring, to get through it. There's so many names there. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Um, pretend you're in Sunday school. What's the first name that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 without looking? Anybody want to put their hand up for a bubble gum? That's what I bring, by the way. I bring bubble gum. Sugarless. Abraham. Who said? And somebody else? Brian? What did you say? Oh, Aaron? Abel? It's a good answer. I wouldn't give you a bubble gum for it. I think we are. We're mentioned first. Hebrews 11 and 3. Right? Before Abel, we're mentioned there. It says, by faith, right? We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Do you believe that? Well, then you're in the Hall of Faith. Isn't that nice? even before Abel. But let's look tonight um, at Abel. And actually, in uh, some of the lessons that I've been going through with the young people, I've contrasted, because I, I think you cannot look at Abel without looking, of course, at the story of Cain. And um, so let's look at that in Genesis chapter 4. And... Um, from 1 to 4, we'll read these in uh, sequence and comment on them. We see Cain the worshiper. Cain the worshiper. In verses 6 through 8, we see Cain the murderer. Then 9 through 16, we see Cain the wanderer. And finally, 17 through 26, we see Cain the the builder. So let's uh, spend a little bit of time uh, looking at this chapter tonight. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you again, O oh God, for this time that we can gather together. Father, we thank you for thy word. We know thy word is truth. We know that thy word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to penetrate even unto dividing joints, marrow, soul, and the spirit. It's able to judge the attitudes and the and the thoughts of our hearts. 
Nothing is hidden. Everything is laid bare and is naked before the eyes with whom we have to do. So, Father, tonight, speak to our hearts, O God. And uh, we pray these things in his name. Amen. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So we know the story. The, um, we look at Cain here as the worshiper. God's promise and Adam's faith here are seen in verse 1. God promised, wouldn't he? Um, a deliverer. And um, it's interesting, isn't it? We don't have to go very far to see the effects of sin, right? Right into the very first family. And um, Eve brought new life into this world. And she thought that Cain was the one. Obviously the firstborn. I've gotten a man from the Lord, she said. But it was far from that, wasn't it? Now, just a little aside. No guarantees in a home, right? Now, do we train up a child in the way they should go? And when they're old, they shall not depart from it. That's certainly a precept in the scriptures. But when you look at the scriptures, you look at the Bible, and you read the stories of most fathers in the scriptures, let's be honest, there are far more failures than there are successes when you look at individuals and even some of the heroes of faith, right? Their children didn't necessarily follow suit. But to you young parents that are here tonight, I just make a little comment after being a Christian now for 30 years, just about. And um, first of all, wear out the carpet praying for your children. But I think, and this is just my experience based on Scripture, that I think as parents we have to cultivate, um, we have to cult cultivate an attitude of of success in terms of bringing our children up in the things of the Lord. And you know, I could spend a whole session here just talking about parenting and some of the things that we do wrong and certainly some of the things that we ought to be doing. But just generally here, I mean, the first principle that we will take out of this little passage is here's Adam and Eve, and they love the Lord, and the first murderer comes right out of that family. And so, take heed that he that thinketh he standeth, lest he fall. Brothers and sisters in Christ, one thing I know for sure in my experience, Satan hates your family. The evil one, if he can get a hold of any one of your children, 
If he can attack, he will attack your home. And we need to pray a hedge of protection at all times. But we need to cultivate, in my opinion, cultivate uh, a recipe for children for success. Now, that doesn't guarantee anything other than, I, in my experience of watching hundreds, if not thousands of families bring up children uh, traveling around North America and preaching, uh, the vast majority of the time when things do not succeed in the Christian home, there are mistakes that are made by parents. One of the things that I see is that parents oftentimes have a lack of priorities. And what it is is that um, things are negotiable in the home. It's amazing to me that I see that a lot of times, that uh, negotiations take place, meaning that children get to a certain age and they negotiate with parents. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I may be a little bit old-fashioned, you know, black and white type of guy, and but you know what, parents? Uh, there's some things that in my home were not negotiable, okay, in the sense that you want to eat? Yeah. Well, then we go to church together as a family. That's it, and that's all. And Daddy isn't sending you, you're coming with me, right? Uh, that's it, and that's all. There was no negotiations. When the, when the chapel doors opened, our family was together. Um, I think that's a cultivation for success in a Christian home. No guarantees. But I, I see a lot of that. Then I see um, husband and wife, they're not on the same page when it comes to children. I've seen that so often, it's incredible. I've seen elders in, 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 in assemblies where the, they were tough as nails, no bending the rules, and they were marshmallows when it came to negotiating with their children. I've seen it happen. And uh, undoing discipline. Right? Like one parent says, no, that's the way it's going to be. And, and the other one undoes it. No, it's negotiable. Anyway, I, I, I think it's important. I don't want to spend the, the entire message on it tonight. Uh, but I don't know if there's anything that would bring more joy to a parent than to see his uh, child go on for Christ. There's nothing that thrills the soul to a parent to see that. And yet, parents, I'll tell you, and we can fall into this trap. Well, we'll spend more time, more emphasis, more money, and whatever to get these kids educated. And I'm not against education. You know what I'm saying? Like, you would never negotiate the fact that they're going to go to school tomorrow morning. But you'd negotiate the fact whether they're going to be here on a Sunday night or not. Kids pick that up, guys. They got radars. They can pick it up. Oh, they go, well, you know what? Uh, their mom and dad got priorities, but uh, the assembly and, and uh, the things of God are not necessarily at the top of the charts. You know, it doesn't happen by osmosis, guys. You just don't, ha you know, wake up someday and hope that, oh, that my kids are going to go on for Christ. We have a responsibility as parents. And for me as a grandparent now, I have 11 grandchildren. And they're all in Sudbury. 
They, they play, and and they, and they, I thank God for their parents that are ra- raising them up. But you know, there's no guarantees, right? So, Grandpa, it says, you know, I know Abraham. That's what they said of him in Genesis uh, chapter 19. I know Abraham that he will uh, he will command his children to follow after me and his grandchildren. That spoke to my heart uh, about my home. Um, Job said, life is short and full of trouble. And I'll tell you what, if you don't believe that, just wait till you have children. <laughs> uh, because the enemy is, uh, is after our homes. Able means vanity, vapor, suggests the futility of life uh, without God. And right from the beginning, we see a division here of the work. Um, where Cain identified with the ground, the ground was cursed, wasn't it? And uh, Abel brought his offering by faith. It's important in Hebrews, it says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The difference in the two forms of worship here, from Cain and Abel, one was done with faith, and that was Abel's. Um, look at Genesis th- uh, 3 and 21. I think a lot of times we overlook this verse. 3 and 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. We often overlook this verse in Genesis 3 and 21. God made provision. And I believe Abel came to God based on faith of what he was taught by his parents. Can you imagine the object lesson, folks? Here you are in the garden. Put yourself in that position. You've never seen death. You've never seen uh, sin. Uh, Adam and Eve sin, and they cover themselves up, right? They do what Cain was doing. That of covering up. And when God said, Adam, where are you? Adam said, well, I'm naked. Well, he really wasn't naked, but he sure was naked before God, wasn't he? Because unless you're covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you might as well, you're naked. But we see here that object lesson, right? That God, and I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, and it doesn't say, so I'm not sure, but I think when he took, What did he take that skin from? A lamb? A lamb? Can you imagine the object lesson? You guys, any of you guys like pets? Imagine what that would be like to watch in the first act of substitution where God took an innocent animal, did nothing wrong, slit its throat, skin that animal right before Adam and Eve and clothe them with the garments of that innocent victim. Can you imagine the object lesson? Do you think Adam and Eve ever forgot that? When they realized that there's nothing that they could do to cover up their sin, that it was done by God, that he would provide the lamb. And then we see um, in Genesis uh, chapter 4, Abel, by faith, coming to God, and God says, yeah, I'll accept that sacrifice. Why? 
because of blood. Because of blood. It's very important to understand that God really is in, uh, when you look at the, uh, in the Old Testament so often, and even in the New Testament, object lessons, right? They're wonderful. Uh, I enjoyed the puppet show this morning, okay? I think that's a, such a great ministry uh, to children and old children like me. But, um, but God's into, I know that uh, Malcolm was telling me that, you know, in, in early January, you're going to be uh, looking at the tabernacle. And um, that is such a great thing, isn't it? To go after, because, you know, I'll tell you, come on, you're just like me, right? You get to Exodus chapter 25, and I recommend, you know, that you pick up the little um, gospel folio calendar. I, I use that every year. And I, and I go through, I reading through the Bible every year. It's a good, good thing to do. And uh, and 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 uh, it, it's it's a good habit to get into, right? To uh, to 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 read through the scriptures on a on a daily basis. But there's object lessons, right? And and the object lesson in the tabernacle, I always ask myself two questions because when I get to Reading through the Bible, I go, oh, no, here we are, Exodus 25. And, uh, you know, because now you're into a lot of detail. And I don't know about you, I, you know, decorating, I don't like stuff like that. I don't, my brain doesn't go to there. And it talks about curtains and rods and uh, things like that. And Tony Martin, I, 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 my brain doesn't go there. I'm not, you know, I'm not Martha Stewart, you know. But the tabernacle goes into a lot of detail about the uh, about you know little wee things. But when you ask these two questions, it'll really help. So when Randy Amos is here, let's ask two questions: What is God like? Because in everything in those uh, object lessons of the tabernacle, what is God like, and how do I approach Him? If you ask those two questions, I tell you it really helps. What is God like, and how do I approach Him? How do I approach a holy God? Because every item in the tabernacle are based on those two questions. Every item. So the object lesson here in Genesis chapter 3 is you do not come before a holy God without blood. You do not. And... Um, Adam and Eve would have never forgotten that, and I'm sure they taught their children that. They would understand that. Now, Cain started the my way religion, didn't he? I did it my way. Um, he offered a bloodless offering. Sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds good. Hey, I'm a farmer. I worked hard. Here, God. Here's what I've done. But isn't that really um, um, the way the world is? And that's how they approach God, right? I mean, listen. I was saying this morning, you know, down at the beach there last Sunday. You know, people, you, you only have to get into a conversation about 30 seconds, and they're telling you, well, you know, because as soon as you mention that they're a sinner, uh they, they don't like that. Well, I'm a good person. 
right? It always comes down to that. I'm a good person. Well, as compared to whom, right? I remember one of my patients, and I was witnessing to her, and she went home, and she was stirring the soup, she told me. And she was telling her kids, you know what Dr. Martin said about me today? He said I was a sinner. And she was getting angrier and angrier, and, and she said she just about spilled the soup. She was getting so angry that I called her a sinner. And the kids said, yeah. And for the first time in her life, that night, as she was stirring the soup, she realized that she was a sinner. Once her kids told her, yeah, Mom, of course you're a sinner. She just never saw herself like that before. And, uh, but isn't that the, the, the godless religion of, uh, of the world? You know, folks, there's two religions in the world. There's Abel's and there's Cain's. You look at every religion, every religion is a Cain religion. I don't care if it's Muslim, Buddhist, you name it. It has to do with works. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, you name it. It's based on works. You do this and you get into heaven. You do this, that will make you righteous. You be baptized, that will make you righteous. And um, folks, every religion is either Cain or it, was, uh, it comes from Abel. Or at least Abel uh, would be a good representation of what we believe, obviously, right? Um, in Jude 11, it says the way of Cain. The way of Cain. And what is that? That is religion without blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Um, there's a division too, of course, in this sense. When you look at Cain, and you look at him in terms of worship, it's interesting that I believe there's three types of people in the world today from God's perspective. You might argue with this, but let me uh, tell you what I think they are. There's the saved, that's us, right? There's the lost, and then there's the children of the devil. So the lost can be divided into two. Now the lost, I, this is, I, I would be interested in hearing your opinion about this, but being lost doesn't make you a child necessarily of the devil. I think that that is reserved for religion. That's what Jesus said, right? Jesus said that about the Pharisees. He didn't say that about the ordinary person that was listening to him. They might have been lost. But they weren't children of the devil. But religious people are. To those who oppose you, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, to those who oppose you, you must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance leading in to the knowledge of the truth so that they what? So they may escape from the trap of the devil who has held them captive to do his will. Religion, folks, Cain's religion will always oppose true Christianity. 
And I, you know, I, I, I just say this in all due respect. When Tony Martin has been persecuted the most is from religious people. People that are just, you know, they're sort of agnostic maybe or they're out there, they don't know what they believe. It doesn't, I'm not saying that they are happy to hear from me necessarily. But I'll tell you, the opposition that I got the most in my years of being a Christian had come from religious people. People that hate Jesus Christ. And um, I think there, uh, there's a division there. And Cain was the father of that religion. Cain is, uh, was, uh, as we see here, um, he, uh, he depended on his good works and he opposed his brother who was a child of God by faith. He opposed him. Let's read about the murder. And it says here, verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is, uh, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to Abel, his brother Abel, "Let's go out to the field." And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, and Abel, uh, his brother Abel, and killed him. Sin begins in a small way, doesn't it? But it grows and leads to death, according to James uh, chapter 2, doesn't it? It starts usually with a root. We need to be careful, brothers and sisters, about any kind of root that might be growing. I'll tell you, I've seen assemblies split over the years over nothing, but a root of bitterness or anger that gets in, a root of jealousy, just Starts with a little thing. I've seen Christians say things to each other that that would literally make you blush. Hatred that would come out after years of anger and holding, uh, you know, stuff inside and letting things and not getting right. You know, there's one thing about the Lord's Supper that we're reminded to come and not to stay away from it, ever to stay away from it. But we're to come to the Lord's Supper and examine ourselves and to make ourselves right. And it's a good habit, isn't it? To go over the week past on Sunday morning and look and see if there might be any hurtful way in me. That's what the Psalm 139 says, doesn't it? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And if there be any hurtful way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. We need that, don't we? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any good report, if there be any virtue, think on such things. And you see, Cain, I believe this happened over a, probably a fairly long period of time. I don't think it was just, uh, it might have been one instant, but I think it was a, uh, uh, it, this thing was seething in Cain over a long period of time. 
hatred for his brother because his brother was righteous and his acts were evil according to 1 John and chapter 3. In chapter uh, 3 we see man sinning against God. In chapter 4 we see man sinning against man. Remember that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need God to have a look at that heart to examine it. Let's read 9 to 16. 9 to 16. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. I Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you have driven me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be restless, a wanderer on the earth, and whosoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of the garden. And here we see uh, Cain the wanderer. It's significant, isn't it? You can look at the questions in the Bible. I often uh, stop when there's a question. When the Lord in, in Genesis chapter 3 said to Adam, Adam, where are you? It's a good question, isn't it? I think we should ask ourselves that. Where are you at? Tony, where are you? Where are you at with the Lord? Where are you really at? Remember that night that uh, that uh, Jacob wrestled with the Lord all night? It's kind of an interesting passage in Scripture, you know? Wrestling with the Lord. Well, there's a question. What's your name? That's what the Lord asked. What's your name? You see, what he was trying to get out of Jacob was Jacob mentioning his name. Because his name meant conniver. And the Lord was wrestling them. What is your name? Then he changed his name, right? When he confessed that. You know, after that wrestling match, Jacob was never the same after that. Jacob followed the Lord after that. There was no deviating with Jacob after that wrestling match. You know what, folks? We need to wrestle with God. God is trying to ask us questions to get down to the bottom of where we're really at. Where are you at? Cain, where's your brother? God knew what happened. But it's interesting, isn't it? And Cain's making excuses. God given, had given uh, Cain a warning. But even here, God says, Cain, where's your brother? If Cain had confessed his sin and forsook his sin, God would have forgiven him. Look at David. Adultery. Murder. God forgave David. And I think it's important that we understand that. 
that God is asking questions. You know? Um, and, and, and we ought to let him do that. And we ought to let him, we, we need to be honest with him. God now had cursed the serpent, the ground now came. And Cain doesn't repent, of course. He blames God. He rejects the Lord. And now he is a wanderer. And anyone without God really is wondering, aren't they? You know, friends will never be satisfied until you sell yourself out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else, you'll come up empty. And even as Christians, we'll come up empty. You know, the like the Israelites, you know, broken cisterns. Folks, you tried them all. <laughs> I can write you a story about trying everything and uh, understanding that there's nothing that satisfies like the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Only He can satisfy. Let's read the rest of the chapter. Cain lay with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad was the father of Mehuel, and Mehuel was the father of Methusael, and Methusael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. And Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play the harp and flute. Zillah also bore a son, Tubal-Cain, who forgot, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Nema. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged, seven, is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son named Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel, since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So this last part we see, uh, Cain now as a builder. We saw him as a worshiper, the father of religion, invented by Satan himself. And uh, we, we, we saw him as the murderer, the wanderer, and now we see him as the builder. He went away from the presence of the Lord, and you know what? Cain never returned. It's a sad day, isn't it? Anybody come to your mind's eye right now? People that perhaps have fellowship with us, maybe even broken bread with us, and they walked away from the presence of the Lord, and we haven't seen them since. Anybody in your mind's eye? I can think of many, many people. How many young people that I've seen that uh, made the wrong choices in their lives, and they walked away from the presence of the Lord, and, and I've never seen them uh, grace the hall of the assembly again. Have you, you know? You know some people like that? From man's point of view, you look at Cain and you see success. He was a builder. He built a city. Successful. Um, his children were 
innovative in his grandchildren. Uh, again, from man's point of view, uh, tremendous success. Jabel, the founder of the science of agriculture. Jubal, the music. And uh, Tubal Cain, uh, industri the industry. These, these kids were successful from a worldly point of view. But God rejects the whole thing. God rejects the whole thing. The scriptures remind us, Christian, love not the world nor the things of the world. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life come not from the Father, but are of the world. And the world and its lust are passing away. But he that doeth the will of God will abideth forever. And in James chapter 4 and verse 4, it's a scripture that I don't like. I really don't. I wish I could cut it out of my Bible. It says, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And anyone who chooses, chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Folks, that's in our Bible. And Cain loved the world. And I think... We need to be careful, don't we? We can start off strong. But I want to finish well, too. I want to finish well. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. It says, I have run the race. But he wants to finish the race and win the prize. I think that is so key. Because, like I said, there's so many that, um, that get caught up in the world and this world is, is, is culture without God. It's music without God. It's business without God. It's religion without God. Folks, that's all from the world. And we need to be careful about that. The world is an attractive place, isn't it? It is. And it's so easy to, uh, to get um, sucked in, really, isn't it? Into... Uh, being a worldly Christian. It's easy to, um, to fall prey. Now remember the God of this world. And we talked about him and Cain uh, being um, of the evil one himself. And when, when we need to realize that the God of this world has so organized the world to make it attractive to Christians. Satan is not worried about the lost out there, per se. He's already got them. But it's us that he is trying to attract with the trappings of this present world that we live in. Happened to Demas. It can happen to us, right? Paul said, Demas forsook me because he loved this present world. And Christian, we need to be careful. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that uh, civilization today is Canaanite in origin. And I'll tell you, folks, I've seen Christians give the best to the business world and leave little uh, tidbits for God. I've seen Christians who get caught up. They know more about uh, movie stars 
and athletes than they do about their Bible. And that's just Tony Martin, but I just generally see, and I thank God for the exceptions that are out there, but I generally see today people that have... I'm a nutritionist. I watch for anorexia in my office. And there's a lot of people that have anorexia today with the Scriptures. And that is they don't know the Scriptures. And there's no shortcuts to knowing the Scriptures. It's just old-fashioned discipline. And, you know, folks, they're just... They're, you know, because even coming here tonight, and thank God, I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. And I thank God for you. I really do. But I think we need to be careful that we not love the world. And one of the things that you can just sort of do a little litmus test, you know, uh, somebody was asking me the other day by email, Doc, is there anything that I can put in my mouth to find out what's causing me to have this kind of pain that we're having? I just kind of laughed the way he was asking. It's just having for a diagnostic test. Well, you know what? There is a diagnostic test to find out where you're at. How much time do you spend in the Scriptures? I, I, I think they just go together. That's just me. But I think um, that if you say you love the Lord and you do not read the Word of God, I just don't know how that they, 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 those two just don't go together. And... I've been, a, I've been in the assemblies for 29 years, and I remember when I first, well, I didn't know anything else. I got saved uh, on October the 14th of Thursday night in 1982, and I walked into a little Bible chapel in northern Ontario to, on, on the Sunday morning for the first time. I never, had ever been in, in any other church other than the Catholic Church all of my life. I'd never been in a Protestant church, not once. Until I, until the until I was saved, two days old. But I'll tell you, I remember. In the in the in the uh, in the following years, seeing brothers and sisters who knew the Word of God. And you know, I remember talking to people that were in other denominations, type of thing, and saying one thing about the brethren: they sure know the Word of God. And folks, I don't know if that's true. And I love seeing these little kids coming up here today. And, and the word of God. You know, I've hid thy word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. If you love me, you will obey my commands. That's what the Lord Jesus said. His word. As it was, we see in this society, coming from Cain's children, right from his very loins, what do we see? boasters, murderers, and a real picture of the world that we see today, isn't it? And we thank God. We thank God that Adam and Eve had another child, and his name was Seth. And when you read about his descendants, they started calling on the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we do come before you, Lord, tonight, and we thank you, Father, for every lesson that we get from thy word. Father, tonight we have looked at one like Cain, 
And, Father, one who rebelled, one who walked away, Father, from the truth, one the Scriptures tell us was uh, infiltrated by Satan himself, uh, Father, a rebel. And, Lord, we, uh, we just pray tonight, Father, that uh, you would remind us of these things, that you would uh, protect us, Father, from the roaring lion who seeketh to devour us. Father, I pray for each and every one that's come here tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would be encouraged to go on uh, with the things of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that we, uh, by faith, Father, have trusted you, have, Father, trusted in the work, the completed work of Christ. And Father, we thank you for the grace that has saved our souls. And Father, tonight bless us, O oh God, we need it. Encourage us, Father, we need it. Strengthen our faith, Father, we need it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.